Hey there, and welcome to the Alinea Church Podcast, your place to get all of Alinea Church's previous messages. This week, we start a new series called Who, What, When, Where. Enjoy! It's been a nine-month remodel, and um, I have been remodeling my bathroom, and you're always having to measure things and find the, the splitting the difference or something like that. So if it was always like a weird a fraction, like 11 sixteenths, and then it'd be like, all right, you've got to split that in half. I'd be like, oh, it would, it'd hurt my head. I had, I had no idea how to do it. I'm always, uh, I'm always asking Apple, you know, uh, please split this. And then I'm asking Apple, what's the decimal, what's the fraction to the decimal? Because I never can figure that out either. So I'm not good with, uh, with fractions. But what I do remember about fractions was this idea of the lowest common denominator. How many of y'all remember lowest common denominator? Yeah, yeah. So because if you had a half and you wanted to add, say I wrote it down so it wouldn't mess it up, a half plus two thirds. So one over two, right? Plus two over three. And you want to add that together, you had to find the lowest common denominator. So how many of y'all math geeks know what the lowest common denominator of, of a half and two thirds? Six, very good. So what you do is you turn a half into three six, right? Did I do that right? And then you take uh, two thirds and you turn that into four six, and then you add it together, and then you have seven six. And I'm not even going to try to break that down after that. So seven, you're just stuck with seven six. So the idea behind lowest common denominator is that the six is always there, right? In theory, the six is always there, and that's how you're able to figure out what is going on. Now, here's the thing that is uh, going to be troubling for us. Hey, you know, I don't know if I should wear hoodies because I'm going to play with the tassels the entire time, <laughs> right? Uh, but my wife likes pink on me, so. so. Um, here's what I know about lowest common denominators. The six is always there, and here's what I know about you. You were always there at every good decision you've made and every bad decision you've made. You have been at every decision that you've been a part of in your life. And who was always the lowest common denominator? You gotta look at yourself in the mirror. Like you, you can't back out of that. You've gotta be honest with yourself and say, you know, I'm the lowest common denominator. I, would, I have been I have been at every decision, every good decision that you want to take credit for, and maybe it was just dumb luck, and every bad decision you don't want to take credit for, even though it was your fault, right? Here, here's the mind-blowing thing. Um, it's been estimated that we make 35,000 individual decisions a day. 35,000 individuals individual decisions today. Some of these decisions produce desired results, right? Some of them do not produce the results that we want at all. Like, I'll give you an example. Am I going to eat, am I going to make the decision to eat one Thin Mint or the serving size of four Thin Mints or the sleeve of Thin Mints? <laughs> and here's, here's the really humbling thing. When you really break it down, Life is a string of choices put together. Life is a string of choices put together. And today we're starting a brand new series. I'm really excited about it because I want to help you make decisions. And it's a four-part series. And, and I want to kind of come alongside of you and equip you so that you can make decisions that you can be 
proud of? Because I know everybody's asking this question, how can I know I'm making the right decision? Like, how, how do I know I'm not messing this up? And 35,000, I'll be honest with you, it sounds like a lot. I'm sitting here thinking about that. But think about it since you woke up. Your first decision when you woke up was, am I going to hit the snooze button or not? Right? Right? And uh, then you had to make the decision of what? what you're going to eat for breakfast. You had to make the decision of if you're going to brush your teeth. Hopefully, you all brush your teeth. And if you're going to shower, hopefully, you all showered. You know, putting deodorant on. What color makeup am I going to wear? What color shoes am I going to wear? Am I really going to, like, really risk it and wear the pink hoodie or not? You know, all of these decisions add up to a life, right? In fact, those are just the small decisions. I mean, you think all these decisions you've made today. How are you even going to come here? Like, am I going to take the shortcut? Is the train going to be blocking us? But then you've got decisions like, um, am I going to buy that house? Am I going to sell our car? How much are we going to sell the car for? How, uh, how am I going to afford my kid's college? Um, how, which one of these three girls should I propose to? You know, <laughs> they're big decisions that, that you have. Where am I going to live? Are we going to have kids or not? How many kids are we going to have? Now, when you have kids, you're making decisions for you and your kids, right? Have you trying to dress the kids and they want to pick their own thing and you're like, over my dead body, I'm not. So you can see why making decisions can cause anxiety in our lives. Thousands of decisions just in the day. So no wonder there's increase of depression, there's increase of anxiety, there's increase of just being overwhelmed by all the culmination of all these decisions and all these consequences that come alongside of it. And I, I want, as your pastor, I want to come alongside of you and help you build a life. I want you to get at the end of your life and go, I wasn't perfect, it wasn't everything that I hoped, dealt some bad cards at some times, but as far as I know, I made the best decisions I could in the moment. And we're going to look at practical steps. We're going to look at questions. We're going to look at the two paths that you can take in life when it comes to making decisions. We're going to we're going to look at sources of wisdom and how you can find the answers in your life. We're going to equip you with some really practical questions of that you can filter your decisions through and how you can approach making decisions. But here's what I want to do. Point number one, this is, this is the, number one, the number one step for all of us. Would y'all relax? Just relax. Man, you're stressing yourself out. You're stressing your spouse out. You're stressing your neighbor out. You're stressing social media out. Y'all stressing me out. Just relax. Relax. I, I thought about having, listen, I already cooked a steak up here the other day. By the way, by the way, everybody's like, how was the steak? It was raw. I mean, it was so raw. I had to throw it away afterwards. It was a disaster. But I, I got the point across. I, I thought about having a pressure cooker up here. And then I was like, that's too much, too much cooking for, for our people. They'd, they'd be like, what's going on? This is a chef show or what? But I, then I was realizing I don't need a pressure cooker up here because I was going to let the pressure out. I've got a bunch of pressure cookers right here, right? Right. So here's what we're all going to do is an exercise. I want everybody to take a deep breath. I just let it, just let the pressure out. 
You're putting too much pressure on yourself. Relax. Calm down. Take a chill pill. It's going to be fine. Right? Listen, listen, to what, listen to what James says. He says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. What is James saying here? He's basically saying you can make all the plans that you want, but guess what? It's not up to us. At the end of the day, we are not in control. We like to think that we're in control. We'd like to try to control things. I'm a control freak. That's why for the longest time I didn't like flying because I wasn't in control of the plane. I'm like, what are those bobos up there doing? I hated it. But finally I got to ride in the, in the passenger seat of a little like, like a, a four-seater or six-seater plane. And uh, Lee, I remember it was Lee Fox. And Lee used to fly these triple sevens, right? For American Airlines, he used to fly triple sevens. And so he'd be sitting there and he had this uh, Mooney uh, type of plane and uh, he would make you, Lee was an odd bird. I love Lee. He still prays for us. He still prays for us. He emailed me uh, just a week ago. So I wanted to just check on you and see how you're doing. But he would, he would take me out flying, and he had this Mooney. And uh, the guy he bought it from redid the entire uh, inside of this little four-seater plane with Maserati leather. So when I got in the plane, I kid you not, Lee made me take my shoes off. He's like, no, you're not, you're not coming in here with those nasty things. Take your shoes off before you get in my airplane. But I would sit up there in the seat, and I would put the headphones on, and Lee would put his headphones on, and I could watch everything he was doing, and he was flipping switches, and he was, he was revving the engine and coming back, and, and uh, what, uh, what do they call it? They call it a run-up. I think they call it a run-up. And they check, they check uh, all the spark plugs and everything. There's two sets of spark plugs in there. I remember that. But you can hear all the chitter-chatter. And you can hear all the chitter-chatter, and they said, you know, uh, N4235, uh, you know, ready for takeoff. And he would say, uh, you know, N4235, you know, taking off. And, and you could hear the, the handoff. So they'd get you up in the air, and they said, uh, tune in to this radio frequency. And he would change it, and he would tune in, and he would say, this is N4235, uh, you know, just checking in. I forgot what he said. And you could see all the handoff along the way, and it really calmed me down because I could see, well, somebody actually is in control. Somebody actually knows what they're doing up here. And, and it gave me peace. It wasn't flying the big planes that gave me peace. It was flying the little planes because I could see everything that was happening. Here's the thing. You can't see everything that God's doing. You don't know all the buttons he's pushing and all the ropes that he's pulling and all the things that he's orchestrating behind the scenes on your behalf. You can't see that. All we can do is we can trust God. That's all that we can do. And that's my point number two. Listen, God's got you. When it comes to making decisions that make sense, relax and know that God's got you. You remember that song growing up? He's got the whole world in his hands. His whole world. You don't know that? In his hands. You know, you want to sing it with me? You got the, just me and Abby, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. Right? Do we believe that? 
Do we believe that at the end of the day when we go to make a decision and we're trying to make the best decision we can, do we believe that God's got us? Listen to what Romans 8.28 says. I love this verse. We know that all things work together for the good, not for your bad, not because God's out to get you, not because he's trying to, he's trying to upend your life, not because he's trying to sabotage you, not, be, not because he's trying to hit you with lightning bolts because you've done something wrong. It says he wants to work all things together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things. So you mean that tragedy I went through, God wants to use that if you'll let him? If you'll let him. You mean that, why did I have that, that training back then? I have no idea what, because God wants to use it. I don't know why God had me as a music, a music major. Now I sat that down for a long time, but God's using it still. I won't be leading worship forever. I like to. I was telling somebody, I think I'm a better worship leader than I'm a preacher. But God's using that. What about that, that time that, that um, you know, I worked at a graveyard and, and uh, I, got to, I got to weed eat around your headstone and stuff like that and mow? I was, I was the guy that did that. And I was also the guy that put dirt on you. And uh, God used that season in my life. God used the season when I was an undergrad. God used the season when I was, when I was listless for a year and I was... I was on the road singing with a group and it was a trio and these other two guys hated each other and it was a lot of fun. And somehow, you know, God used that moment and God, God used that to get me to Texas and, and God used my time in Texas to mature me and to build me up and to help me make mistakes and still be safe and to learn and to figure out who I was. And then, then God used that time to get me to Virginia. And then and God, every moment of the way, God's been using things for my good. Some things happened decades ago that God is going to draw up in the future to use for my good. And we don't know when and we don't know how. And at the end of the day, we just have to realize God's got us. You know, Jesus made this a point of emphasis. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. End of story, right? We can pray, give the salvation call, just go home. That's just a great word right there. Stop worrying. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, we're not called to be reckless. I'm not saying be reckless. I'm not saying be flippant. I'm not saying, you know, cast your cares in the wind. Don't put any effort behind it. I mean, that's why you're here today, right? You're here because I want to learn how to make better decisions. You want the wisdom to know how to do that. And here's what I do know. Point number three, God wants you to know his will. Isn't that a shocker? Because I think a lot of us are like, I, I, God's hiding his will from me, from me. I'm praying and he's not, there's no neon signs falling out of the sky, you know, opening up the Bible just randomly. I'm like, all right, whatever, whatever my eyes land on, that's what God wants me to do. Right? You open it up just randomly. Like, that can't be it. That was David and Bathsheba. So let's not, let's not go there. Let's try, let's try, try another one. You can't live like that. You can't live like that. God wants you to know his will. There's a way that you can know his will. In fact, God's will is so clear sometimes 
Like God says, this is, your, this is my will for you. And we read it and we're like, yeah, yeah, but that's not for, I, I, want, I, want to know, I want to know the things I don't know. I want to focus on that. But if we will focus on the things God is showing us right now, it opens up a whole new world. Look what Ephesians says. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Seek it out. Understand it. Work for it. Pray for it. Mine it out. Listen to God's voice in your heart. Romans 12, 1 and 2, again, Paul says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Watch this. So that you may what? Discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. God wants you to know his will. And he gives you just really clear steps right there. It's like just offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to him. Like don't be transformed by what's going on around you. We have so many influences. We're going to talk about this in a the, in the couple of weeks about all the influences in our ears and all the influences at our eyes and in our heart. And God is saying, don't be transformed by that. You've got to, you've got to fight. No, no Beastie Boys right there. That's, I know, <laughs> I know you, were, you were wanting it to, I can't make it work. I was trying to make it work. I can't. You've got you to gotta fight the world that wants to transform you because God wants you to be transformed by him, not transformed by the world. Isn't that what we want? Last thing is this, we've got to focus on principles, not decisions. Focus on principles, not decisions. We want to discern the will of God in our lives, but hear me on this. If you keep trying to manipulate and manage and micromanage God's will in your life, if you keep trying to insert yourself as the lowest common denominator, you're going to find yourself frustrated you're going to find yourself fruitless. You've got to work to keep inserting God as the lowest common denominator. That's why Jesus says, don't worry, because he's saying, hey, the heavenly father is the common denominator. He's the one that's taking care of you. That whole passage is in context of Jesus saying, doesn't your heavenly father care more about you than the birds of the air? Doesn't he care more about you than the flowers of the field? Like he, he created you. Psalm says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that he knits you together in your mother's womb. God is the lowest common denominator. And that's when peace enters our life. Peace enters our life when we remove ourselves and we insert God into the equation. I mean, if you want to think of it from a mathematical perspective, that's what Christianity is. It's taking the formula of our life, formula of life, finding ourselves in that formula, removing ourselves from it and inserting God. Saying, God, you're in control. God, I am yours. God, this isn't about me. God, I humble myself to your will. I humble myself to your presence in my life. Well, it's even what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane that led him to, to the, the death on the cross. Not my will, Father, but what? Your will be done. Removing ourselves and inserting God. But here's what happens. Watch, uh, Derek, watch me on this speaker, okay? Here's what happens. By the way, I mean, let me 
I bought this rope. It'll never look this pretty again. I just wanted to show it to you because it'll never roll back this way. So sorry, all you OCD people. Here's what we do, though, is we look at life like this, right? And we think that life is, is so linear and we get on this tightrope of life. And this is what I mean about managing principles and not decisions, is we get on this tightrope of life and we start making decisions like if I do not get this perfect, if I do not get this next decision, like I got to find the right house, right? I've got to find, I've got to find the right school. I've got to find the, 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 right, the right neighborhood, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm dating this, this, this guy and I'm just praying that he's the right one right? I, I'm praying I, I, I get the, the right job. And we think we agonize over these decisions and we end up getting in what's called decision fatigue. Everybody had decision fatigue? Where you just overthink things and overthink things and overthink things. Because what happens is we overthink these decisions and we think that if we just fall off, we fall off into an abyss and we're completely outside the will of God. Now, I'm not saying get on here and be like, woo, we're doing good, all right, woo. I'm saying, I'm saying like, be responsible, be diligent, but it's really hard to get outside the will of God when you're focused on the presence of God. Like when you're really trying, I'm not saying, like there's people who don't try. They're outside the will of God. God can get them back on. But God's will is not a tightrope that we have to... That's, this, is, this is a form of legalism in our lives. And I don't think we realize that. You look at Galatians, and Galatians was a, was a book written by Paul to the, the church in Galatia. And they had come to faith in Christ through grace, but then uh, there were people coming alongside and saying, you know what, the death of Jesus was not enough. You've got to get circumcised. You've got to follow all these rules. And Paul writes that book to Galatians saying, hey, I, who, I love this word. He says, who's bewitched you? Why have you replaced the grace of God with, with trying to control your faith, trying to, trying to control your salvation because you can't do it? Can you hamper God using you? Yes. Can you lessen God's effect, effectiveness in you? Yes. Can you cause consequences in your life that you will have to deal with the rest of your life? Absolutely, yes. Can you make a decision that is so egregious that God will stop loving you? Absolutely not. I'm going to have the band go ahead and come back up. But what's going on is we're afraid of making the wrong decision. We want life to be perfect and again, Here's, here's what I'm asking you to do. Again, take a deep breath. Just let some steam out. Everybody, come on. This is all skate. In. All right. Let's let some steam out. Relax. God's got you. He wants you to know His will. Focus on principles, not decisions. Because here's, here's what I want you to know. 
you're not so powerful enough that God can't redeem your life from a bad mistake. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up. You're going to take a wrong turn. Here's what I do know. When I, I am afraid of making decisions when I am not pressed into the heart of God. I'm afraid of making decisions when I am not in relationship with God. I don't want to get to a point in my life where I'm like, oh yeah, I got to go back to God and, and, and be like, hey God, it's been a while. Um, you know, what should I do about this decision? I want, to have, I want to have an intimacy there. I want to have a relationship there. And what we need to do is we need to focus instead of decisions is we need to look at life not like a tightrope, but instead of principles to live by. What do I know? I'm going to hit it down. What do I know about principles? That when we have principles that we live by, the God's, God's grace, God's favor, God's blessing, God's promise follows us everywhere we go. And when we stop living by God's principles, we get out from under it. We get out from under God's covering. So when we focus not on the individual decisions and we start focusing on principles, all right, I'm gonna live by principles in my life. We get back under the grace and the mercy and the favor and the provision of God. What are, what are some principles? There's tons of principles in the Bible. Um, like having the fruits of the Spirit. Like we have the fruits of the Spirit on the wall out there. That if we just lived our lives according to the fruits of the Spirit. Or, or, or tithing. Like we talked about tithing uh, uh, about a month ago. That when you live outside the realm of tithing, that you get out from God's protection. He says, I will, I will, I will rebuke the devourer over your finances. And when we start tithing, we get up underneath the blessing and favor of God. He says, I will pour out so much blessing on you that your storehouses cannot contain it. When you get under the principle of mercy, when you get under the principle of sowing and reaping, sowing love, sowing relationships, when you get under the principle of, of living in the sovereignty of God, when you get under the principle of, of God's grace and God's love, when you get under the principles of God's justice and God's mercy, when you get under the principle of God's forgiveness, being a forgiving person, being a person who's slow to anger, being a, a, a person who, who submits to others and thinks of others better than themselves when you get under these principles, when you get under the principle of treating others like you would want to be treated yourself, when you get under the principle of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But we can make decisions that can get us out from under this blessing. So in this series, this is what I invite you to do. I invite you to get under the blessing of God. I invite you to get under the principles of God and learn the steps that can help you make good decisions. I think principles are, principles are kind of like you, you, when you live under a principle, you start to kind of feel it more. My dad had a, a, a Datsun. Y'all remember Datsuns, right? Um, it was an old car. I can't hardly remember it. I just do remember it had it was leather inside, that perforated leather, and it smelled like a certain way. And I would sit in the passenger seat, and my dad, it was a manual, and so you had the three pedals and the clutch and everything. And I learned to drive a manual because I would sit in the passenger seat, and I would shift for my dad. And I didn't have to think about it. I just knew in the moment when I was supposed to shift to second. I knew in the moment when I was supposed to shift to third. 
I knew in the moment when I was supposed to shift to fourth because I, was, I, I had been in it so long. I, I had recognized the, the, the revolutions per minute of the engine. I, I recognized what it sounded like. I recognized the movements of my father. I recognized when, when his foot was going down. I recognized when he, was, when he was relaxing a little bit. And I knew in a shift, he didn't even have to say anything to me. So I love sitting in the front seat because I was like, fin, 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 fin. And that's what it's like living under the principles of God. You don't have to so much worry about first, second, third, fourth, or fifth. You start to recognize when God's moving in your life. You start to recognize his presence in your life. You start to recognize when he's putting his foot down, when he's putting his foot up. You start to recognize when he is shifting some things. You start to recognize when he is moving. You start to recognize when he's silent, he's building intimacy with you. You start to recognize when he's starting to get loud with you that maybe you've not been paying attention. You start to recognize all of those things, that's what it's like living in the principle of God in your life. So yes, God does care where you go to school. He does care what house you buy. He does care which car you pick out. He does care about your future. He does care about your future spouse. He cares about all of these little minute decisions. But God is intimately involved in your life and he cares more about a relationship with you than any of those other things. And that's what I want to invite us to do today. So as you bow your heads and close your eyes and we always wanna give this moment in our services today. I would never want people to walk out of this room not knowing Jesus. I would never want a place, a house of worship, a house of healing, a house of salvation for you to walk in and not have a moment to respond to the grace of God in your life. And that's what we're gonna to ask today. If you've never come to a moment in your life where you know God, you know Jesus, you know His healing force in your life, you began following him, you would say that I'm not a Christian, but I want to be because I want to follow this person, Jesus, and you would like to do that today. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that, and here's how we do it. We're going to say a prayer, and it's not the prayer that saves you. It's not the words that save you. It's your heart and your posture towards Jesus. So would you repeat this out loud for the sake of those who are praying it for the first time? Say, dear Jesus, I love you. I am a sinner. And I need you. Come and make me new. Renew a new heart in me. Send your spirit to guide me. Protect me. Give me hope. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, can we just... Can we celebrate with them that did that today, this morning? Because that, listen, that's what I want this house to be about. I want to regularly see people come into Christ. I want to see well, thank you for tuning in today. If you would like more information about Alenia Church, you can go to alenniachurch.org forward slash connect. There you can enter in your information. You can ask about more information about the church. And you can even let us know if you've prayed to receive Christ. We would love to put a free gift in your hand to equip you on this new journey. If you would like to partner with this ministry, you can do so by going to alineachurch.org forward slash give. There you can make an easy tax-deductible gift to further the reach of the gospel through Alinea Church. Would you also pray about becoming a monthly partner through your financial giving? Our site makes it easy to set up a recurring schedule. Please take a moment to share this message, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. 
It helps us by getting the word out about what God is doing here in Middle Tennessee. If you live in the Middle Tennessee area and you don't yet have a church home, we would love to host you at Alenia Church. We hope to see you there. Remember, God sees you, He loves you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.